0: good boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Tuesday the 1st of June. We're brought to you as always by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network. allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, HBO Max, things like that. Also keeps your data safe online. So do check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft. That's a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And do be sure to check out the EPL Index shop on Etsy. Now selling customized coasters and posters and all sorts for every Premier League club. There's new lines going up all the time. Do check out the EPL Index shop on Etsy. Right, folks, big news today. Carlo Ancelotti looks like he is leaving Everton to return to Real Madrid. This news kind of broke yesterday that he was the preferred target. It has progressed. And Paul Joyce has just tweeted, Carlo Ancelotti is set to make a return to Real Madrid with David Moyes among the options as his Everton replacement. So we'll get into the replacement options in a few minutes. But let's talk about Carlo. At this point in his career, he's 61, and he has been at the very highest level in the game. He's managed Juventus, he's managed Milan, he's managed Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. He took that step down when he went to Napoli. And then Everton, I would say, is a bit of a sidewards move in terms of club size, but in terms of where they are right now, that was a further step down. With respect, the Everton team he took over is the worst team he has managed since Reggiana in his first season as a manager back in 95. The Parma team he inherited was excellent, and then you go through the rest, all exceptional teams. Carlo going to Everton was a weird move at the time. Carlo's a winner. He's a guy who goes in, makes those little tweaks, adds one or two pieces and wins you major honours, Champions League titles. He's not a guy who's known for rebuilds. He's also not a guy who's known for long tenures. Now, Milan aside, he had one year at Reggiana, two years at Parma, two years at Uv, two at Chelsea, two at PSG, two at Real, 18 months with Bayern, 18 months with Napoli, And it's about 18 months with Everton. He's not a guy who sets down roots and goes for the big rebuild. It's just not his way. He takes over good to great teams, makes them a little bit better, and wins things. Everton were not in a position where one or two tweaks, one or two additions were going to make them a contender for anything. Everton really needed to be torn down and built back up. That's the situation they found themselves in. We look at last season. He takes over on the 21st of December. Marco Silva had flamed out. Duncan Ferguson had taken over as um, caretaker. And then Carlo arrives just before Christmas. He inherits a team that are not playing particularly good football. Not particularly inspiring. They sit fifteenth in the league. He gets them up as as high as ninth before they finish in twelfth. The standard of football improves. There's a lot more of an atmosphere around the place now. Covid didn't help, but you felt like, okay, maybe this'll work. It's not ideal, but maybe this'll work. Maybe he does want you know, a long-term fit. Maybe he wants to go somewhere and have that last shot at extending his legacy on even further. If he could win anything at Everton, he would have been a hero there forever. We go into the summer, and you look at the players they signed, and it was a bit of a, a mixed bunch. Niels and is the first one in the door. Young left back, attack-minded, a backup for Luca Digne. That's an important signing because Digne is super important to how Everton play. Much of their best stuff goes through him, and his delivery into the box for Calvert Lewin was one of their main paths to goal last season. Then it starts to ramp up. Alan arrives, just over twenty-one million pounds. And this is a different type of signing. This is a man who's 29, 30, towards the tail end of his career, noticeably slowed from his peak, a lot of miles on his body, still a very good player, and he's proven since joining Everton he can absolutely contend with the best of them in midfield in the Premier League. But he's he's not a long-term signing. James Rodriguez arrives two days later. Again, he's in his late 20s. He's one of the more frustrating players of the last 10, 15 years. You saw him kind of come through at Banfield and that and go to Porto and be part of the V.S. Boas team at Porto. Fringe player in that team then became sort of the main star there. Went to Monaco, it didn't really work, but somehow he finds his way to Real Madrid off the back of a great World Cup in, 90, in 2014. But his time at Real wasn't really a success other than one season where he played under Carlo. that first season. After that, he's disappointing with Real. There's injuries, there's attitude problems, there's a lack of effort. He's a two-year loan at Bayern. He does okay. Bayern win titles that they would have won with or without him. But he doesn't become the star name that he he was expected to be. When this guy was 21, 22, everyone thought this guy's going to be a star. All the talent is there. He's proving himself in Europe. He's gone into European competition against the very best from around the continent. And he's doing it there as well. This guy is going to be a star. And it just hasn't worked out that way. He's a huge name. He's a star attraction. But he remains more a great talent than a great player. And he joined Everton as he moves towards the latter part of his career. Now what we've seen from him this season is that when he's in the mood, he's very, very good. But the mood only strikes him every so often. That man took multiple holidays during the year. He took his holidays before the season was even over and disappeared to whoever knows where. He's been left out of the Colombian squad for the Copa America, which tells you how they view him. I don't believe he has any real connection to Everton. I think with with Carlo going, chances are we don't see James In an Everton shirt again. They brought in DeCourie. Again, that's a win-now move. 27. Premier League experience. His valuation had dropped drastically from where it was, say, three years ago, when Watford were rumoured to want 45 million for him. Talented player, but not one if you're building long-term, who's going to be around, like the other two. By the time the rest of the team is good enough, those guys are going to be over the, the wrong side of their their peak years. Same thing we had with Arsenal and the Aubameyang contract. By the time Arsenal are good enough to compete, Aubameyang's not going to be good enough to be the starting striker for a Premier League title-winning team or a, a title-challenging team. Iman Janya... Young Swedish midfielder, very highly rated, brought in to join the academy. But he's got a big future. And then Ben Godfrey, who was the only signing who could impact the team now, but also be a long-term building block. And when you look through the squad, you see, you know, Calvert-Lewin. There's a player you can definitely build around long-term. Richarlison, you can build around him long-term. Depending on how you're going to play, Holgate could be one of those players as well. If you're going to play a back three, Mason Holgate and Ben Godfrey be a really good starting point to have three centre-backs if you've got those two to begin with. They own Moisa Keen. They don't seem to know what to do with him. Tom Davies, I think, can be a very valuable squad player. Young Anthony Gordon looks a real talent. He was sent on loan to Preston North End for the second half of last season Seemed to do quite well in spells, but, you know, as a young player, he's still got a lot to learn. Luca Dini is probably the oldest of the players you'd want to keep for this bill. He's 27. He'll be 28 this summer. With Carlo going, is he really going to want to stick around now? Everton's problem over the last few years has been a lack of. Long term planning, a lack of a cohesive plan. If you look at the transfers the summer before Carlo arrived, um, when Marco Silva was in charge, Andre Gomes was brought in there. They'd had him on loan, they'd seen what he could do, and yet they still made the decision to sign him and pay 22 million for him. Jonas Lossel was brought in in a free transfer. He was fine as a backup goalkeeper. Fabian Delft was. 30, brought in from Everton for, I suppose, experience in midfield. Gabaman was a long term signing. Moise Keane was a long term signing. Jared Braithwaite was a long term signing. Alex Awobi was a weird signing. Talented but inconsistent player, and they paid 30 plus million for him. They couldn't get Zaha, so they went for him. Again, it's such a mixed bag of signings. It's not, there's no cohesive plan to that group of signings. The year before, they'd brought in Richarlison, they'd brought in Dinya, Joao Virginia, the young goalkeeper. Bernard seemed like a signing for the sake of a signing. They're paying him big money. Yerry Mina, one that if he could be consistent, if he could stay fit, maybe he could be the linchpin. In your defence. He's still only 26. The summer before that was very strange. This is the weirdest summer anyone's had. In my view in the Premier League. In the last 10 years or so. So they signed Davy Classen. An attacking midfielder. 23 and a half million. They signed Henry Onyakuru, A young attacker. 7 million. They bring in Pickford for 25. Heavens knows why. Michael Keane for 25, again questionable at that price. Sandro for 5.2 million. Josh Bowler for 1.5 million. Rooney on a free, who at that point in his career is an attacking midfielder. Cuco Martina on a free, I assume only because Ronald Koeman had worked with him before. Lewis Gibson, a talented young centre back from Newcastle, absolutely fine. Gilfie Sigurdsson, an attacking midfielder, for forty million. Now, if anyone's keeping count, that's three attacking midfielders for about forty-six. Sorry, about sixty-five and a half million. Dennis Adinoran uh, for a small fee, young player brought in from um, from Fulham. Nikola Vlasic, an attacking <coughs> excuse me, an attacking midfielder for about twelve million. And then, in the January, they go and they buy Cheng Tucson for twenty seven and a half, and Theo Walcott for twenty Now, Walcott and Tucson that's sunk cost. they're getting nothing back from those two players. Walcott will leave on a free this summer to sign for Southampton, and Cheng Tucson has been on loan multiple times. They're not going to get any kind of fee for him. When he signed, he signed a four and a half year deal, which means they've still got a couple of years left on his contract that they're going to have to pay and nobody's going to want to touch him. Nobody will give them money for him. Besiktas might give them a very small fee, but Besiktas won't pay him the same wages as he's on Right now. And remember, Besiktas is where he came from. He'd done really well there. He's really good in the Turkish league. He's just not a Premier League-caliber striker. But that summer, you bring in four attacking midfielders, £77 million spent. You take a big loss on Davy Klaassen. You're now stuck with Gilfi because nobody's going to buy him off you. I believe he has a year left on his contract. Rooney left to go to DC United. And the most talented of the bunch, who at this time is by far the best of the bunch, is Nikola Vlasic. Who they sold for no profit to CSK Moscow. Didn't think to include a buyback clause. Because otherwise you'd absolutely take him back. He's been brilliant for Moscow. He rarely got an opportunity at Everton. 19 games is all they gave him. 12 in the league, most of them as a sub. As a young 20-year-old, that's what they gave him and decided, no, he's not for us. Incredibly poor squad management. The previous summer, they brought in Calvert-Lewin and Adamola Luckman. And Luckman, again, they sold without ever giving a proper opportunity to. He played 48 games across three seasons, was loaned out twice. Just a a very... And like most of his appearances, again, are as a sub. We saw what he could do for Fulham this year. If you're playing a 4-3-3, Luckman, Calvert-Loon, and Richarlison is a very well-balanced 4-3-3. But yet they got rid of him. They got rid of Onyekuru, also a very talented player. I think they made good profit on him and Luckman, to be fair. But wouldn't they be better off with those two players rather than Theo Walcott, Cheng Tucson. Bernard, No backup striker this year at all. Moisa Keane's another one that's probably going to be sold this summer without being given a real opportunity because Duncan Ferguson didn't like his attitude. You look at the Everton squad and there's potential there, but there's an awful lot of just dead money. Like Jordan Pickford may be the England number one, but nobody is confusing Jordan Pickford for a, a top goalkeeper. You're not finishing in the top eight with Jordan Pickford as your goalkeeper. John Joe Kenny could be a solid backup right back. Holgate at worst is a, a good utility backup in defence, or he can be a start excuse me, a starter, either as a right back if you want to be a little bit more conservative on one side and let Dina go forward on the other, or in a back three. Michael Keane, I mean, he's he's obviously improved greatly from that disastrous first season that he had there. But is Michael Keane a top half Premier League centre-back? I have trouble with Michael Keane, the idea of Michael Keane in a team that wants to challenge for major honours and for the Champions League. Alan is fantastic, but you've got maybe two more really good years in him before he'll start to properly decline Richardson's super talented but I mean it doesn't translate on the pitch. 14 15 and 13 goals. gold' it's not it's not a brilliant return. it's a decent return but you would expect more from a player of his talent who's now 24 has been in the Premier League four seasons. All the talent is there. He works incredibly hard for the team. But he scored seven Premier League goals this past season. It's fine, you know, thumping teams in the domestic cups, lower league teams. But when you're not doing it regularly in the Premier League, it's just not acceptable. Fabian Delph is a sunk cost. You're never going to be able to sell him. You're just going to have to wait out his contract. Gilfie's the same. Like I said, I think Gilfie's contract is out next summer. So you've got a choice now to make with Gilfie, who's 32 this year. Do you extend him, or do you just let him walk away in a year, in which case it's just 40000000 million you've just burned, plus all the wages you will have paid him? Calvert-Lewin should be the focal point of what you're building without question. Josh King they brought in for a nominal cost. I think he's well worth keeping around. I think they have an option to extend his contract for a year. As a backup attacker, Josh King is solid. Luka Dina, you obviously will want to keep him. Whether they can or not, who knows? He may not want to stay without Carlo. I know Carlo didn't buy him, but Carlo's the best manager he's played for. Yerry Mina, if he's fit, if he's consistent, can be an important part of your defense. But again, he needs to he needs to shake the errors out of his game, and he may not now at twenty six. Cheng Tuston, he's a sunk cost. Dakuri again will be good for the next couple of seasons, and then what happens? Are you going to be good enough in the next couple of seasons to take advantage of his last really good prime years? Awobi is a squad player that you paid thirty five million for. And like I said, is a quality backup left back. James and Bernard, I don't even know what you do with them. I really don't know what you do with them. Bernard signed a four year contract, so he's out of contract in a year. So you're never going to extend him, surely. He's played 84 games. He scored eight goals. Last season, he made only 12 appearances in the Premier League. His lack of size really counts against him in the Premier League. He's obviously immensely gifted. And he's still only 28. But I can't imagine any circumstance in which Everton will want to extend his contract. There's... There's a reason that at 26, he was a free agent without any real suitors. Don't know what you do with James. Andre Gomes, I mean, again, like Gilfie, you're you're probably just stuck with him. He's a talented player, and as a squad player... Maybe that's okay, but he, I'm sure he's on big money. He came from Barcelona, so I don't think he's on you know, very affordable wages. Godfrey absolutely has to be a foundational building block. Seamus Coleman is your club captain. You keep him around for his experience. He might eventually transfer into the coaching staff. Anthony Gordon's a big-time talent for the future. At worst, he'll be a good squad player. Gabamon, if he's ever fit, can be a good squad player. But again, you paid a substantial fee for him. He's now 25. And since joining Everton, he has played a sum total of three games in two seasons. Three games. He played 95 across the three seasons before that. And 96... In the three seasons before that. So he would never really had many injury problems. Until he landed with Everton. Tom Davies is a very good midfielder. He can be a quality squad player. Moise Keane you should absolutely be bringing back. Yannick Bellassi. I mean another sunk cost. 27 million or something they paid for him. They'll get nothing for him this summer. Mo Besic. I don't know how much they paid for him. I don't think it was a huge amount. But again you're not going to get anything for him. Uh, Brantwaite's, again, he's a talented young defender. Um, 18, you know, potential to be developed, especially if you're going to play a back three. Uh, Robin Olsen's in on loan. I don't think they'll keep him now. And then Ellis Sims is a young player. And then they've got a promising academy. Everton always have a busy academy. But if you're looking to build something for the long term, your immediate needs are: you need an upgrading goal. To stick with with the four three three or four two three one that Carlo's gone with, you need an upgrading goal. No question, Pickford's not good enough. That needs to be looked at this summer. You absolutely need a right back. Coleman's best days are behind him. Kenny probably isn't good enough to be a starter. If your ambitions are what you state they are. Dini is absolutely the right guy at right back. And in backs him up. If Pickford sticks around as a backup goalkeeper, fair play to him. If not, you want that as well. Or you just keep Robin Olsen. But either way, you're already having to do bits. At centre-back, you can probably cobble it together and get by. You've got Godfrey. You've got Holgate. You've got Keane. You've got Meany, You've got young Lewis Gibson. You've got Brantwajer. You can probably get by with that. Maybe you'd like to move on Michael Keane and or Yerry Mina and bring in a proper starter to go with Godfrey and then Holgate, Gibson and Branthwaite can be your, your depth. In midfield, you've got Alan and Gabamin can be his backup. You've got Decore, Davies can be his backup. I think you need a starting midfielder who can, who can play the ball. Someone that can be your version of Thiago your version of De Bruyne, your conductor from midfield. And Andre Gomes then as a backup to that player is is perfectly fine. In the front three, Richarlison from the left, Calvert-Lewin up front, Moisa Keane can be his backup. Since you're stuck with Bernard for another year, I think he's probably a backup on one side. Iwobi could be the backup on the other side. And then it just depends on what you think is going to happen with Hamas. Personally, for me, I'd I'd probably say goodbye to him. Because I'd imagine he's on huge wages and he just doesn't care. And he's not fit regularly enough to make enough of a difference. As talented as he is, and he is incredibly gifted, he's just not fit enough to make it worth your while. 23 appearances in the Premier League. Last season. He hasn't made more than 23 league appearances since 2015 16. He hasn't played more than 30 league games since 13 14. And that was one of only two seasons in his, in his entire career where he managed 30 or more league appearances. The other one was with Banfield 09 10. James is just always injured. I think he'll have MLS offers. I think he'd get big money from China or wherever he wants to go. Qatar, if he fancies living in the Middle East. I think you just have to say goodbye. Cut your losses and move on. If Carlo's going, I think he's going to be less less inspired. Carlo's the only manager that's ever really tapped into him, other than VS boas back at Porto. Carlo's the guy who got the very best out of him. That's why he joined Everton. And if Carlo's gone, does he want to be at Everton? I don't think he would have chosen Everton in any other circumstance other than Carlo was there. I think he would have gone wherever Carlo was. So you probably need a starting attacker as well. So you need need a right winger. Someone to play off the right in that front three. You need a starting midfielder. Probably a starting centre-back. Definitely a starting right-back and a starting goalkeeper. It's a lot. It's five starters. And I don't know how good that team would be. It would challenge for Europe, for sure. But it would depend on who those signings would be. If it was Max Ahrens at right-back, you'd think, right, well, that's a, that's a really strong signing. But do they have the money to go and get Max Ahrens if they need to do everything else? So this is the problem. If Mashiri is going to put his hand in his pocket and put forward 100 million, then yeah, then they can build something really worthwhile. Like for me, I would go to Leipzig and try and buy Moise Kien back. I would go to CSKA Moscow and try to buy Nikola Vlasic back. Those guys are more than good enough to start for Everton and can be big parts of what could be a bright future for the club. But the short-term thinking moved them away from that. And what's stranger as well is the managerial appointments and how they go from one thing to another. And now they're in a position where they're going to have to pick a new manager. David Moyes' name is out there. He's just had a great season with West Ham. So you can see why Everton would think, okay, maybe we'll go back for Moyes eight years after he left. But that's the first good season he's had since he left Everton. The time in between was largely a disaster. Other than his first spell at West Ham, failed at United, failed at Sociedad, failed at Sunderland. Do you really want to take that step backwards? Graham Potter's name will no doubt be mentioned. I think he could be a really good fit, and a back three would be really interesting. And in a back three, they probably need to buy less. Because the centre-backs they have, Potter can put into a back three. He could put Michael Keane in the middle of a back three with Holgate and Godfrey either side of him. Gibson, Brantwaite and Mina as the backup. And there you go, that's fine. Dini and Nkunku on the right. New right back, needed anyway. And John Joe Kenny plus Seamus Coleman as options down the right side. Dukure and Alan fine in the midfield too. Gabaman if he can get fit, Tom Davies. So you're fine there. You don't need anybody. You'll still need a goalkeeper. You'll, st- you'll still need a, a, an attacker. But now it's only three needs rather than five. So maybe Potter's absolutely perfect for them. And he's a developmental coach. He's a guy that will see Everton as a destination club. He's a guy that will think, right, this is me. I can build something here. Everton have owners that are willing to back the manager. There's no question Mashiri has done that since he took over. The problem has been how they've spent the money. Not spending. They've spent loads. They've spent more than Liverpool over the last five years in terms of net spend. The problem is how they spend their money. Now, they brought in Brands from PSV Eindhoven. And I don't know what his plan has been because he just jumps from one thing to another. He, Marco Silva was his idea. And they bin Marco Silva off because it didn't work as quickly as they wanted it to. Remember, they paid a big fine to the Premier League for tapping up Marco Silva when he was at Watford. Watford sacked him and still got compensation from Everton because Everton were so adamant that he was the guy they wanted. And then when Silva didn't work, they went in a completely different direction with Carlo. And that has been Everton's problem over the time since Moyes left is that they, number one, don't plan long-term in terms of signings. And number two, They haven't had a coherent plan for what type of manager they want. Moyes left in 2013. They went with Roberto Martinez. A departure from Moyes, going to create this wonderful brand of football. When he was sacked, Ronald Koeman came in, far more of a pragmatic manager, more along the lines of Moyes. When he was sacked, they bring in Big Sam gammon and gravy when he left they went marco silva again ideas style of football when he left they went carlo win now doesn't matter what cost there's been no coherent plan at everton for eight years now and i understand it's often that way when a long-term entrenched manager leaves you look at what happened with united when ferguson left Or Arsenal when Wenger left. Now Moyes hadn't been at his club quite as long as either of those. I mean, nobody was at a club as long as Fergus was at United. But he still had his hands in everything. He still had the same reach and the same level of control as they had at their clubs. Everything ran through Moyes. Which is part of the reason United appointed him. Because he was used to running a club from top to bottom. The problem is that the standards at United are much higher than the standards were at Everton. So the demands on him were greater. But when Moyes left, this power vacuum was created. And it doesn't ever seem to have properly been filled. They still behave like chickens running around with the heads cut off. So Guy's giving me the odds here on the... um, the managers who are, you know, rumored to be on Everton's shortlist to replace, or sorry, the odd the odds on managers from the bookies uh, who could replace him. So first up, Eddie Howe, three to one. He's out of work. He's a highly rated for reasons that aren't necessarily related to what he's done as a manager. He can't coach a defence. He's got a very questionable track record in the transfer market. He's a little bit of a control freak. He'll want all his own people. But he's out of work and he won't have a compensation cost attached. And he plays a nice brand of football. He's very much your Roberto Martinez. Nuno Espirito Santo is more of a pragmatist. Now, he does have a dogmatic approach In terms of how he's going to set his team up. And if you look at the Everton team. It's probably not far. Off what Nuno would want. You could see Nuno being quite happy with that Everton squad. They've got the centre backs to play a back three. He does like his goalkeeper. To be good with his feet. That's why he went for Rui Patricio. Now Pickford's. Decent with his feet. It's his best attribute. He's not the goalkeeper Patricia was, but he's probably as good with his feet. Like I say, Dina and Kunku bring in a right wing back with Kenny and Coleman. They're your wing backs. They have six centre backs they could cobble by with. Ideally, you'd still want to bring in one. I, I wouldn't want Michael Keane starting for me. I'd rather have Godfrey in the middle, Holgate plus one either side of him. But you could think he would like De Corey and land. They're different to what he had at Wolves, but he was always searching for that powerful dynamic box to box midfielder. Calvert Lewin is quite similar stylistically to Jimenez. Richarlison could be his jota as a kind of a goal-scoring wide man. He'd want one who's more of a natural winger who'll go wide and provide a bit of service. But Nuno, Nuno fits really well. Rafa lives in the area, but given his ties to Liverpool, I don't think Rafa would take the job. If he did, I'd wish him the best. Conte is seven to one. Now my sources tell me that when Conte was approached and asked about the job, he asked, "What is an Everton?" And upon being told that they play in a wooden stadium, he said, "No, thank you." Uh, David Moyes is nine to one. Again, it's a it's a step backwards. I know he's had a good season, but he hasn't shown anything since leaving until this year. To suggest you'd want to go back there. Duncan Ferguson is 12 to 1. That would be just the height of stupidity. Lampard is 14 to 1. Again, stupidity. Uh, Marcelo Gallardo, who's the River Plate manager, has done brilliant work with River Plate, would be an outside-the-box appointment. Would be a big gamble. Never managed in Europe before. But done very, very well with River Plate. Christopher Galtier is is leaving Lille, but he's believed to be going to Nice. He'd be an interesting appointment. He's obviously had great success with Lille. And then Paolo Fonseca, who has left Roma. Now, there were rumours that Sergio Conceição was set to take over. As Napoli manager. He didn't get that job in the end. Then he was linked with the Wolves job. But apparently he said that it's, it's not a job that appeals to him. I wonder what Everton would all, with, with the money behind them. I wonder would that be a job that might appeal to him? Would it be one that he'd consider? He's a very good manager. He's done a really good job with Porto. He's won two league titles. Done pretty well in Europe. He could be interesting. Gallardo's an interesting one. With Nacional in Uruguay, he won a league title. He's won two Copa Libertadores and a Copa uh, Sudamerica, which is the UEFA Cup sort of jobby. Um... He could be very, very interesting. He's been at River now seven years. So maybe he's ready for a change. And a new challenge. I think off the list there. Nuno is the best fit. I think the squad fits Nuno the best. Potter would be the other one I'd throw in. But I don't know if he'd be willing to leave Brighton at this point. If he was. I do think Everton's a job that would appeal to him. Um, they could look at. That's at Cooper from Swansea, but they may prefer to hire somebody of a little more, you know, high profile. You're replacing Carlo. The fan base are already going to be in a little bit of a meltdown. So I don't know if reaching into the championship, even though they reached in for OIS, and that's the best manager they've had in 30 years. I don't know if it go down too well at this point. But Nuno's really interesting. Really, really interesting. You could see Nuno doing good work with that squad. Remember, Nuno had Willie Bolly, Connor Cody, and Romain Sites, two of whom are midfielders, functioning as a back three. None of them can defend. Willie Bolly' is an atrocity. Conor Coley just can't defend because he's too slow. And Romain Sy still, still thinks he's a midfielder. Um, Everton have better defenders than them. I think he could do really well with that midfield pairing of Alan and DeCourie. A right wing back. A forward player. Who can, you know, play out to in and a goalkeeper and I really do think he would put together a very strong team Nuno would be the best pick I think of oh, of that list anyway from how him Rafa Conte you can rule out straight away Moyes Ferguson Lampard Gallardo Galtier and Fonseca I think I think Nuno's by far the best option um that's enough Everton for today uh Everton fans, if you are melting down, you shouldn't be. Carlo, as great a manager as he is, is not the right manager for Everton Football Club at this point in time. If you were a team who'd been knocking on the door of Champions League football for a few years, failing to get over the line, super talented, but needing that extra little bit Carlo would be the guy to get you into the top four. Leicester, for example. If Carlo had Leicester, they'd finish third or fourth every year. That's the job Carlo does. If United were a little bit better and closer to City and a, fully, a full strength Liverpool team, and you wanted someone to challenge, compete, potentially win the title that's where you appoint Carlo. You don't appoint him when you're mid-table and you've got a train wreck. Nuno's the best fit. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll run through the news, we'll run through the gossip, and we'll get you out of here today. See you in a few. Right, welcome back. So... News from yesterday. Uh, Sergio Aguero has agreed a deal to sign for Barcelona. Uh, It's believed to be a two-year deal with an option for a third year. Hilariously, they've put in a €100 million release clause as if anyone would pay it. Now, this move has been laughed at in some quarters. I think it's a good signing for Barca. I know they said goodbye to Suarez a year ago. It's quite clear that that was a mistake. But at the same time, Suarez hadn't played well for Barca for about two years. And if this is the type of move they needed to do to keep Messi, if keeping Messi was their end game, it makes sense. Aguero is still a good player. He can still score goals. In Spain, he'll have an easier workload. He's not going to be an every game starter. It should be easier to manage him. It should be easier to keep him fit. And if he keeps Messi happy... So be it. Move on. He'll score goals. Congratulations to Morecambe, who have been promoted to League One. Uh, First time in their history that they've played that that they will play that high in the football pyramid. They beat Newport County 1-0 in the League Two playoff final and they joined Cheltenham, Cambridge and Bolton heading up into League One. Eden Hazard insists he wants to stay at Real Madrid. He says he knows the first two seasons have not gone well but he wants to stay and prove himself. I think the bigger issue is nobody would touch him. Like, nobody's going to want him at this point. He's, he's in his 30s now. He's been injury-prone the last few years. He hasn't necessarily looked like he's always cared since joining Real Madrid. So, and he's on huge money. So where was he going to go? What was the alternative? Zinedine Zidane has penned an open letter to Real's fans explaining his departure from the club. He says that he is not tired of coaching, which is what had been leaked. He says the club no longer had faith in him. And he didn't have the support to build something in the medium or long term. Now, all the rumors and all the the rumblings that were coming out of Madrid were that he was the one against the long term project. He was the one against turning it over to the younger players trying to build something sustainable there, trying to bring down the debt while while bringing through the younger players. He says it's the opposite. He says that's what he wants to do. The club wouldn't do it. I would be inclined to believe him because Perez has never really shown any inclination. He may once have come out with the Zidane's and Pavon's statement, which was, one of the more ridiculous quotes of all time. What he should have said was we want the Zidans and the Rauls, because Raoul was the homemade superstar. Pavon was a bang average centre-back and bang average is being polite to him. Uh, speaking of bang average, seven goals from play in, in six seasons. Um, people will know what that means. Um It'll be interesting to see where Zidane ends up next. There is a feeling that he could go to PSG. If he goes to PSG, obviously that would mean Pochettino has left. Where would Pochettino go? Spurs has been mentioned. He may just prefer some time away. Maybe Everton. Who knows? Um, he may take the year off, reassess his options, and then come back. He was meant to take a prolonged break before uh, when Lupetegi took over from him. And then he came back within, what, six months. We'll see what happens with Zidane. Glenn Murray has announced his retirement. um, 37 years of age. Been around an awful long time. Played up and down the leagues. Uh, Brighton and Palace are probably the two clubs he's best known for. And then some big transfer news. Big transfer stories, I I should say, coming out on The Athletic for Chelsea and Manchester City. Now, from a Chelsea point of view, first of all, they start off by misquoting Eden Hazard. He did not say, I'm signing for the Champions League winner. He said, I'm joining the Champions of Europe. Um, they say that with Oli Giroud at a contract and close to an agreement with AC Milan, Tammy Abraham expected to leave. They'll bring in another forward player. Now, Haaland apparently is the one they want, but he's not leaving Dortmund this year. They would like Harry Kane. They're aware that Spurs won't sell, and they don't feel like they can pay $150 for a striker. So Romelu Lukaku is the name that they are suggesting is the most likely. Uh, Lukaku's obviously been there before. It didn't work out well for him. He's a different player now, but under Conte he was probably the best he's ever been as an all-rounder. I think Tuchel would do would do really well with him. It would be interesting to see how he would then work his front three. Uh, would he go Havertz and Werner either side of him? Havertz and Pulisic either side? Mount back into midfield, maybe? Uh, Ashraf Hakimi, who's rumoured to be going to PSG from Inter Milan, apparently also a target. Adama Traore, an alternative target as a right wing-back, is one of the more bizarre suggestions. I know he has played there for Wolves, but he was absolutely dreadful. And he is not a defensive bone in his body. Um, and the suggestion would be that Rhys James would move into the right-side centre-back role, which is a move done purely to disguise the lack of pace of Thiago Silva. Um, it also mentions Nicola Sula, Max Sense Lacroix and Jose Jimenez as centre-back targets. Sula's the one that's been linked for quite a while, basically since Tuchel took over. Um, And Declan Rice is then the final name mentioned in terms of outfield players, but it does say that they are trying to come to terms with Rayola for Gigi Donnarumma. Now, I think Donnarumma goes to Juventus. I don't think Chelsea will address the goalkeeper situation this summer. I don't think they really can while they have Kepa, unless they can find someone to loan Kepa, but they're still going to be paying huge portions of his wages. Um, I think Rice is a possibility for them. If it's true that Tuchel likes him, I think Rice is a possibility. I think that's the move he wants, and I think him and Mount in midfield would make sense. As far as centre-backs go, they, I mean, they absolutely need one. Whether they do it or not, I don't know. They might just stick with what they have. Rumours are they could sell Kurt Zuma and use um, use Rhys James there. They've got some players out of contract in 2022. Andreas Christensen, Rudiger, Aspilicueta, and Thiago Silva. So it is an area they're going to have to make decisions in. But it does look like bad news for, for their competitors if Chelsea are going to start throwing around another 250 to 300 million this summer. Um, Considering they did it last summer, it didn't work for them and they still won a Champions League. You know, what if it does work this time? Um, And then a big story from Sam Lee regarding Manchester City and a possible shake-up this summer. Uh, Jack Grealish and Harry Kane are named as the two top targets and a cost-effective left back apparently is also something that they would like. Well, you know, you'd have to save money somewhere. Having spent 240 million on Grealish and Kane, Grealish and Kane would be strange signings. Neither of them really fit and have City play. Both are injury prone. Grealish has never had a good season in the Premier League. He's had a good half a season. But he's never completed a good season in the Premier League. The 100 million valuation is mental. For me, he's not better than De Bruyne, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva or Phil Foden, so I don't know where he fits. He's not a better winger than Raheem Sterling either. But rumours are that Sterling is one who is dissatisfied with his role and and could be looking to leave. Americ uh, Laporte and Gabriel Jesus also dissatisfied with their roles. Now... While Tottenham may not want to sell Harry Kane If they could get back Laporte Sterling And some cash I think that's a deal they have to do If you have a front three of Sterling On the right uh, Sun on the left And any decent striker Doesn't have to be Harry Kane Could be Dusan Vlahovic from Fiorentina. Who'd maybe cost you 35-40 million. But that front three. I think that front three. Does really really well in the Premier League. Americ Laporte into that back line. Immediately elevates it. Comfortably the best centre back they'd have. I think that's a deal. That. Spurs should be looking for. Get. If if City are going to be foolish enough to allow some of these top players to leave, get Laporte, get Sterling, and get enough money to get Vlahovic and Naziri, one of those two. Either of those two up front with Sun and Sterling either either side of them, and Deli Ali behind, I think they're in good nick. Now, if it's Conte, who's the manager, they'll likely need to play a front two, in which case he might not have a spot for Sterling. He could try Sun and Sterling as a two. I don't think that works. But get get Laporte either way. Other players, apparently not too keen on sticking about at City. Riad Mahrez. Now Mahrez is. Mares and Sterling are out of contract in two years. But where Sterling's 27, Mares is 30. He'll be 32 when that current contract expires. Are City going to extend him? If not, are they just going to eat the cost of him running down his deal and leaving on a free? Or are they best to sell him this summer? Sterling is only 26. He'll be 27 in December. So he's substantially younger. So him, you do want to extend. I don't think you want to extend Mares. Bernardo Silva, rumoured to be considering his future. Rodri, not thrilled with how his season ended. And João Canseo, who was unhappy enough to seek an exit last summer and apparently still unhappy. And by all reports, Sergio Aguero, very unhappy about the circumstances of his exit after a decade at the club. And rumours are that Fernandinho, longtime friend of Aguero, obviously been there a long time too, wasn't very happy at all with how his mate was treated after the service he'd been given. that comes off the back of how badly Yaya Turi was was treated and all that's come out about that. I mean, there's a lot of top players at City. And one of the problems with having so many top players is you can only put so many on the pitch. And you are going to run into situations where a Mares, a Sterling, a Bernardo aren't first choice and aren't happy about it and want to move on. Same thing with Laporte. I mean, he's a substantially better centre-back than John Stones. And for Pep to say, oh, but the partnership works better, how do you know? How do you know it works better in games? What have we seen Diaz and Laporte play together? Seven or eight games? Seven or eight games. And it looked pretty good in most of them. City are going to be really interesting to watch over the summer. If they want to bring in Kane and Grealish, that to me suggests a bit of a shift in how they're going to play. And it's probably going to suggest a shift in in the shape and the the look of the squad. John Fleck of Scotland has tested positive for COVID at the England – or sorry, the the Scotland – Euro 2021 training camp, which obviously isn't good news. Hopefully he recovers quite quickly. The Copa America is to be held in Brazil after Argentina were removed as host. was remig- originally meant to be Argentina and Colombia. Then Colombia were removed because of the political situation. Argentina now removed because of the COVID situation. And it's been moved into Brazil, which is a dumpster fire for COVID. Um, I have a feeling it's not going to go ahead, if I'm being honest. A, AC Milan are close to a permanent deal for Fakaio Tomori. It's a really good signing for them. Really, really good signing for them. Uh, the England squad is set to be announced at 5pm today. Jesse Lingard apparently not in the squad. James Ward-Prowse apparently not in the squad. It looks like Mason Greenwood has pulled out through injury as well, um, which is disappointing for him obviously, but he'll get plenty more uh, more chances. And we will wrap up with the gossip, which goes as follows. Manchester United think um, signing Cristiano Ronaldo is a genuine possibility. That's from the Express. That was in yesterday's gossip, which means they've basically just copied it. City are looking to sell Sterling, Benjamin Mendy and Americ Laporte to fund moves for Kane and Grealish. Sell to buy. Who'd have thought? A smart club. Snaps up Sterling, snaps up Laporte. Mendy, I could do without. Too many injuries, not enough focus. The potential return of Maurizio Pochettino to Tottenham would not be enough to convince Harry Kane to stay, stay the times. Pochettino wants to return to Spurs, but PSG have triggered an extension in his deal in an attempt to keep him. That's from the mail. It sounds like nonsense. Manchester City could offer at least one player as part of a deal for Kane with Spurs keen on Gabby Jesus and Nathan Ake. Aim higher, Tottenham. Aim much, much higher than their squad players. If they're offering starting-caliber players who would be among the best players at your club, take them, even if it's less money. You will be better with Sterling and Laporte and £40 million to buy a striker than you would with Jesus, Aki, and £70 million to buy a striker. Manchester United are also interested in Kane and Grealish, with, while the two clubs are also set to compete for West Ham and England's 22-year-old centre midfielder, Declan Rice. It could be the summer of overspending for English players. Pep Guardiola and Man City are considering offering Sergio Ramos a two-year contract. Please do. Please do. Please do so we can all laugh as he gets absolutely annihilated week upon week. City are favourites to sign Sergio Roberto from Barcelona. I don't think so. Everton manager Carlo Ancelotti. Yep, yep, yep. We know this one. Um, Winning the Champions League for Chelsea triggered an automatic extension clause in Thomas Tuchel's contract. An extra year. If I'm him, I'm asking for an extra five. Leicester lead the race to sign odson Edward from Celtic. That's been rumoured for a while. Makes a lot of sense. Very talented striker. They need to find a Vardy successor. He's not like for like, but he is very, very good. Um, Newcastle are keen on loan moves for Tammy Abraham and Billy Gilmore. If I'm Chelsea, I don't allow Billy Gilmore anywhere near a club managed by Steve Bruce. And I don't think Tammy Abraham is going to be available on a loan. Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp is planning for up to nine players to leave Anfield this summer, including Jordan, Jordan Shaqiri and Divock Origi. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Barcelona have proposed that Liverpool midfielder Philippe Coutinho returns to Liverpool. Sorry, that yeah, Brazil midfielder Philippe Coutinho returns to Liverpool to cover the remaining fees they owe the, Liverpool, the Merseyside club for the 2018 transfer. Barcelona do not owe Liverpool any money. This narrative around Coutinho needs to stop. Liverpool sold the remaining debt on that deal to an external finance company. Barca owe that money to them, not to Liverpool. Chelsea and Manchester United are both willing to meet Real Madrid's £70 asking price for Rafa Varan, and both will double his wages. There is absolute nonsense involved in this. His agent has planted this story to try and get him a new contract. Eden Hazard has ruled out a return to the Premier League. Yep, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Bayern Munich and Poland striker Robert Lewandowski is, a, is refusing to rule out a move amid interest from Chelsea, Barcelona, and Real. He's looking for a new contract. Let's, let's all be very clear about what's happening. He's looking for a new contract. Everton are keen on signing former Chelsea winger, winger Pedro. I mean, this is this nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Former Leicester City striker and coach Kevin Phillips thinks the club would be powerless to stop Yuri Thielemans moving to Liverpool after they failed to secure Champions League football. Yeah, and I think I think there may well be a Champions League release clause in his contract because he had other options when he joined Leicester, and I think they would have had to sell him on something. Um Matteo Gonduzzi is open to joining Marseille if the two clubs can agree can agree a deal. I just think Arsenal would be so stupid to let him leave. I really do. Loan him by all means. Because Arteta won't be there long. And you want to have that player long-term. Southampton and Celtic are both interested in Newcastle goalkeeper Freddie Woodman. Um, Yeah, I I can absolutely see I can't imagine Celtic could afford him, so it would have to be a loan. Southampton could buy him. Uh, they probably need to sell one or two of their current goalkeepers. Uh, Wolves and Portugal left-wing back Ruben Venegra is interesting sporting Lisbon. You would assume assume this is if Mendes leaves. Otherwise, their left-wing back spot is absolutely sorted. Sporting could also sign Hel Herrera, who spent last season on loan with Granada. Again, I would assume that would be part of a deal for Mendes. Now, I think there's Premier League clubs who should be all over. Jan Hel Herrera, Aston Villa for one. If there's a Grealish deal, ask for him. Lazio have made former Chelsea boss Maurizio Sarri their first choice target, with the Italian set to replace Simone Inzaghi, who is away to Inter Milan. And the defender, sorry, the agent of Inter Milan and Morocco defender Ashraf Hakimi and Latour Martinez has said all players have a price. With talk of the Italian champions needing to cut their budget. Yeah. It, unfortunately, it looks like that inter-team is going to get just pulled apart. Bastoni could go. Skriniar could go. Hakimi looks like he will go. Barella could go. Lukaku most likely goes. And Lautaro Martinez as well. That team was so good. So good. And so close. To being really special. They they needed an upgrade at left wing back. They needed a new goalkeeper. Because Handanovic has passed his best. The Schrinier, De Vries, Bastoni back three was great. Left wing back would have sorted the back five. Barella, Brozovic, Sensi. One more in midfield probably would have done it for them. One more really high-end player in midfield. They were really close to having a team that probably could have gone and won the Champions League. Um, And that's it. That is where we will end today. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.